0: On this week's Off the Circle, we're going to be talking about biometrics, uh, specifically about Face ID, the iPhone X's new security feature. And we're going to be speaking to a local attorney about all of the legalities involved. Welcome to Off the Circle.
1: listen to indie based entrepreneurs and business people their experience and expertise have some laughs and learn along the way on this episode of off the circle the indianapolis business scene like you've never heard it before your hosts are douglas carr and ryan grimes
2: Hey, this is Ryan Grimes from My IT Indie here with Doug Carr from DK New Media, and today on Off the Circuit we have Seth Wilson from Adler, Tesner and Whalen here to talk about iPhones and iPhone tens and facial ID or face ID and you know, the legality therein. So, all right, Seth, we're going to start with a quick question here.
0: What do
2: hey,
0: and wait, wait, maybe we should tell everybody that hasn't listened what's going on. With the iPhone.
2: Oh, right. So the iPhone X first came out. Uh, it actually comes out in October and it has a new, a new technology with it that it was, it has facial recognition. So instead of pressing your thumb down on your phone to authenticate and to log in, you will now hold it relatively close to your face. I don't think we know exactly what the field, depth of field is, but so basically you, you can hold it up to your face and it has 30,000 infrared sensors that Ping your face and shoot lasers into your eyes and all sorts of terrible things and and it they uses that to authenticate you instead of your fingerprints. So this this podcast is uh, dedicated to you know knowing more about that technology and you know what and the security and the legality of it. So take
3: it away, Seth. Well, thanks for having me. It's a fun time to be alive with all this technology going on and some of the comments I read on this particular issue as I was thinking through it and kind of being a tech. Geek, myself is look, this stuff changes so fast that the law can't keep up with it. And and what are you going to do with it? I mean, so you got to kind of go back to what are the first principles of sort of the search and seizure rules and different things that folks have to be aware of when you're coming into a technology like this. So I think it's an exciting time to be alive. I think there's a couple things maybe to to start off with. And one is, what's the adoption rate of this type of technology? I think some of the things that Apple was pointing out in the keynote was, look, when we put in Touch ID as a biometric um, security, that raised our adoption of passcode by a significant percentage. And so is it better to have all your data unsecured on all your mobile devices or is it better to have it locked down? And then what are some of the issues that will come up for that for businesses and things? Ron, I was going to ask you, because you kind of deal with this in your business, is what do you see from sort of a managed device technology issue? So folks are coming in and they have access to company data. How are you guys managing those policies? And what's that going to look like from a locking that down perspective?
2: Uh, that's a great question. And the answer is we're not quite sure yet for, due to facial recognition. Now we can lock down touch ID. Uh, you can actually disable it on devices so they cannot use it. And we do—we uh, uh, try to get our customers enrolled into Apple's DEP program, which is the, D- the device enrollment program. And that basically ties all the hardware to the company so that you cannot allow access to personal iCloud accounts or anything like that. It really controls the narrative. So if somebody walks, th- their device can be locked. And, you know, because you, you you did it right and you had an acceptable use policy with your with your employee, and you had a wonderful attorney write it up for you, that you can now garnish their wages for technology that was taken off, uh, taken from the company. Um, facial ID is a whole other story. We haven't seen a whole lot of the documentation on limiting the effectiveness of it, and,
0: and Microsoft has
2: it. Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. out there more than a- Apple's. Just you know, the company that you know put it on their phones, first. right? You know, Microsoft won't do that on their phones. <laughs> <Well. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a fanboy joke, right? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I, the answer is I don't know. I mean, it really, really got to dive into the technology and see it first. And, oh, i got to go buy one to try it out. There you, go. Yeah, there you
0: go. So even even in that case with Microsoft's facial ID, I know I can turn that off as a user in Windows. Is that something that, that companies are disabling and enabling, do you know?
2: I think most companies are just ignoring it. It's, it's an option at this yeah. point. It's like Cortana. I'll be like, yeah, okay, you're you're cute let's disable you um voice and pictures and face are not quite there in the business scenario in the business environment yet people just want to type people just want to put their fingerprint on something people just want to do something that's quiet and and unobtrusive so i'm not quite sure how that's going to pan out but that's definitely the way this is all kind of going so we'll have a lot of watches talking and faces and pictures all over the place and
0: well the scary the scary thing to me is like it's a that I, let's say I'm an employer at an enterprise company, you know, and facial recognition takes off. And, uh, I know that, you know, the, because they have a two camera, two cameras on the front mm-hmm. of the iPhone, uh, 10, that, you know, it's depth as well as, you know, as characteristics. And so you had mentioned how many sensors?
2: 30,000. 30, yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so that's obviously a difficult thing to, you know, try to duplicate. But not impossible,
2: yeah. Right? I
0: mean, I'm sure if you had a 3D printer and a few good photos of somebody,
2: that you could probably,
0: you know, print print out a head.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think they I think they talked about that in in the keynote. And you have to be like dead on accurate. But like beards are okay. Like if you suddenly decide to grow a wonderful beard, like our friend Doug over there has, (laughs) or put glasses on, I don't think that affects it. But I don't know what, if you tried to put a dummy mask or anything like that in there, if it would work or not.
0: Because I feel it's a different technology, right? One is passive and one Mm -hmm. is active. Active is I have to punch in a passcode or I have to, I have to do something from memory that Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't get a hold of. But these things are, are, are active that, you know, I can, I can take and get a thumbprint and right. and remake it, or I could, you know. So that's that's voice is the same way, you know. That, uh, you know, the first thing when Alexa came off Burger King. You know, started talking to to Alexa every day. You know, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the the horror stories of someone mentioning her name on TV and, and ended up buying something to that person's house, yeah.
3: sending <laughs> it out. Well, and I think that's interesting too because you have sort of the the classic scenario that comes up of what if you do get stopped and the officer who stops you says, Hey, I want to take a look at what's going on on your phone with a passcode, right? That's inside of your head. And so they can't force you to self-incriminate by pulling that passcode out with biometric, whether it's touch ID or face ID, it becomes a little bit easier. They can force or take your fingerprint because you're going to get fingerprinted if you get taken down to the office and then they can put it on the sensor to open it up. Or with face ID, if they take the phone and Pointed at you, does it unlock? And so the technology changes just makes the issue a little bit easier to bypass, right? It's one trade off for another from a security standpoint. And so how we deal with that moving forward is going to be interesting because. There are no real cases, if you will, from a criminal standpoint that says, hey, what happens if you get out of traffic stop? You have the classic case of Apple and FBI and trying to crack the encryption on the iPhone. And I think that may go back to your earlier point of, hey, what happens to all of this facial recognition data? Mm -hmm. And if you dig in a little bit deeper, at least on Apple, and I haven't researched what Microsoft has done or what the Android system has done, but Apple does everything on device. And so developers aren't going to have access, to my understanding, to what that depth of field looks like. They'll have sort of data points they can pull off of that, but all of that's stored on the secure enclave on device, which is pretty unique for a company to say, hey, we're going to do all this and design a phone that can handle that. And so some of the processing power that's going to be able to be there to take all of that and keep that secure, one, it protects Apple, right? So the law enforcement um, bureau comes knocking on their door and says hand over all your user data and they have a huge portion of the market share, it doesn't matter because they don't have access to that data. Same thing with the the touch ID sensors. They don't keep that data. And so that, that to me, is something that distinguishes it from Google, which does more things server-side or cloud-side on their side, where Apple tries to do more stuff on device and, and going through. So it looks like, at least looking through some of the articles that have been posted recently, they've thought through some of those issues but they've also acknowledged the issue of look if you have the evil twin they use that example right with spock it, it may open we don't know and and so it's going to be imperfect but the error rate with facial recognition versus even touch id the two numbers there were just crazy i think it was 1 in 50,000 or something like that for touch id and it's 1 in a million for your facial recognition wow which wow. is pretty which is pretty scary when you think about it so Um, Troy Hunt does a lot of stuff on the data security side. If there's other information folks are interested in, go out and look up anything he does. He does all the tracking to see whose websites have been hacked, and he wrote a pretty good article on the facial or face ID implications and why it's a good thing, why you should put it on your device and go through versus leaving it unprotected. So some of these issues are going to have to work themselves out as they go. And I think businesses are going to have to take a look at this, especially if you're doing mobile device management and those policies. So can you authenticate multiple faces on a device? Mm. So are you going to have right your now, employee? Yeah, you can do multiple faces. On iPhone. Yeah, you can do multiple
2: fingertips. Fingers yeah. Right. Touch ideas, though.
3: But these are things I think you mentioned sort of the acceptable use policy. Those are considerations that you're going to have to look at because if you have a device that's locked down and yet it's a family device – how are they going to open it, right? So you may not even have that option. And again, there's, there's an economic consideration too. There there is a barrier to entry to this iPhone. It's a lot more expensive than the other phones that are out there currently. But as we saw with the original iPhones, the price is just going to keep coming down. And so this technology will be available to more people over time. So it's going to be important to really answer these questions early on and, and devise policies, I think, from a, a business standpoint around those different uh, issues we're going to face.
0: Well, it seems like from a from a security standpoint, you know, this is the endpoint security issue again, mm-hmm. right? And and that more companies. I, I saw the the SEC announced that it had gotten hacked
2: like last year.
0: Last year, <laughs> today, isn't that terrible? I don't understand. What's the hurt? Why, I don't understand why people just why they they don't go to jail for not reporting that.
2: <laughs> That's, a <whole> podcast, <laughs> yes. That's a whole other podcast, but yes, a whole other podcast.
0: But anyways. But I think the the you know the interesting thing that you said there was Apple is doing a good job of kind of you know keeping it out of the cloud and, and making this conversation between you know having the phone authenticate and then connecting to the data online, which separates the user from the data a little bit you know from a security standpoint. And I think that's a smart move. Um, but is, there's still that part of me that wonders about that endpoint security and who's responsible. Who's is you know if you're a corporation and you get iPhone Xs for all your employees or iPhone tens uh, for all your employees. Are you now responsible if someone hacked Face ID? You know uh, what what what's your liability there as compared to
2: you know uh, a passcode, and maybe they'll have dual authentication on it as well. I, mean, I think there is dual authentication you can enable on it. Uh, so there's a face and a password. Um, I think what they recommended for the evil twin scenario,
0: and that might be. That might be the workaround for, for every business is just, you know, having having, you know, two point authentication.
2: And that's something you can configure through a profile you can push down to to the device itself, through, through either Apple's configurator or another a, a better MDM solution, which all of them
3: are. Yeah, but the great but the great thing about that is brings up the other point, right? So BYOD, bring your own device, is prevalent. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen folks recently who have two, maybe three iPhones in their bag or whatever they're carrying around and one of them's for work and one of them's an old one for work that still has data on it and another one's their personal one and so when the barrier to entry becomes well i got to put in a six different alphanumeric password combination plus my face plus my thumbprint. <laughs> I'm just going to use my home device and connect it up and forward all my company emails out because maybe there's no well, control on Unfortunately, that. that's what
0: happened with government, right? Yeah. Was That's what we found out is that it was so difficult to work through the government controls of security mm-hmm. that they were just sending stuff to Gmail and sending stuff
2: everywhere else to, to get around those things. Yeah, there's no there's no violations there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I mean, and it, you know, if something does become too difficult, They'll just resort to using their home devices. You know, bring bring your own devices. It, it's something that sounds great on paper. In the real world, it's it's like a dumpster fire full of radioactive materials. It's I was, awful. It's, I was
0: I was invited to speak once <laughs> at a security, uh, an IT security conference here in town. Yeah. And I say once because they did not invite me back, <laughs> and it was because about half the people in the room were selling software to block employees from utilizing accessing youtube you know skype uh facebook everything else and so i'm listening all day to these guys you know and ladies tout you know how incredible their software is and it was frustrating me more and more and when i got up to the podium i said how many bring people bring their personal phone into the office and everybody raised their hand and i was like I don't know why you're using software for anything. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it, unless you check them at the door, there's no way to control yeah. it.
2: Yeah, which is like NSA, right? You <laughs> know what I mean? That's what they do. But.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You
2: know, it, it's all about controlling the technology, and, and you know, just bring your own device is a bad idea. You know, if someone's going to bring in their 15 year old kid's Windows la- XP laptop. Like, I can totally do my work on this. <laughs> yeah, like, no, you can. Yeah,
3: where <laughs> I can take it home and do my work, yeah. Or oh. grab a thumb drive full of files and so- bring back a virus.
0: So in a, in, a, in a conversation, the legal advice at this point is wait
3: and see. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the classic lawyer answer, right? It yeah. depends. You, you don't know. I, I think really the the idea is I think first, of not, first off, you want to educate yourself as best you can yeah. and really get to know what it is you're providing your employees. So if you don't really understand what's going on there and really maybe even don't have the cybersecurity insurance policies and things in place, network interruption, that kind of stuff, you may not want to go down that road yeah. at this point and keep it at a passcode lock because you can avoid some of those issues. Um, we talked many times, Ryan, about how the weakest link in any plan is the human component. And your folks are going to do the easiest thing they can possibly do. And so you got to know your personnel, you got to know your business, you got to know what kind of data you have access to. And if you can provision it appropriately from the back end, I think that's probably going to be a better solution than maybe worrying about, hey, let's give them the latest and greatest tools that we don't really understand how they work yet. Yeah. Um, I think I read a post Ryan had put out that said, hey, even with iOS 11, it might be a good idea to wait a little yeah, while before a you upgrade. bad
2: bug with Office 365 and Apple's mail client. Apparently, does not every email actually sends. They oh. bounce back to you and say that the, you know, the recipient wasn't found, which is not true. It's just a bug in iOS. So, yeah, let's just sit tight on that.
0: Well, and, um, you mentioned something there that might be a, a good Q-in too. And that's, you know, as, um, companies are looking to their cybersecurity insurance. Um, know I, you know, I was at a, uh, at a IT security, actually Lifeline Data Centers was speaking at an event here in town and it was an interesting conversation about cybersecurity insurance and basically that, it, they don't pay out too well, you know, and and because they have tons of clauses in there, they have you know if your if your BIOS isn't up to date, if you if you have any chipset that's not up to date, if you have any software that's not up to date, if you have any anything that's not up to date, one node, uh, you know, one software app in your entire company that they can refuse the claim and, and get out of it. So it will be interesting to see what cybersecurity clauses are. As it comes to authentication of you know face ID and and voice, I mean that that that'll probably spell the story right there, you know, because they might have a clause in there that says that they're not going to cover it. Yeah,
2: no way. Insurance companies that covers that. Yeah, I know, huh? it's pretty.
0: <laughs> it, it is pretty crazy. Yeah.
2: Um, two quick things on uh, the facial ID. I remember. Uh, first one is if you close your eyes, it doesn't work. I trust you. Yeah, so even if they point your phone at you, so
0: so you you get closure if you get pulled over by a policeman, (laughs) I just say, "I'm not, sir. (laughs) I I cannot open my eyes." Well, (laughs) the other thing
2: uh, you can actually, and it works on iOS 11 on any device, you can hit the power button five times and it disables Touch ID too. So you have to type in your password. I just tested on my phone, so. If you type it in, it says Touch ID does not recognize your fingerprint. Really? Yeah. Five times. Five times the side button on the not the not the volume button side. So as know.
0: you're getting pulled over.
2: Yes. Five times. Any time a police officer comes up, and die, <laughs> you hit that button five times. <laughs> no, don't do that. that say, was really it's really weird.
0: I mean, it is an interesting one. You know, it, oh, let's say in that case that you are getting pulled over and a policeman asks you for your camera. It seems like if you have Face ID at this point. Turning over your camera would be, you know, a bad idea.
3: Yeah, I think until it's sort of sort it and out, the default yeah. device or the default advice is always, you know, talk to your lawyer. You, yeah, you don't need to talk to the officer about that, and you can say, look, we've got a disagreement, and that may mean you have to go sit somewhere you would rather not sit for a right. while. Mm-hmm. But it's better than now. This is all hypothetical and theoretical, right? Most of the time, you're not going to have anything on that device that you really are worried about. Right. But if you are an employee of a company yeah. that has access to that becomes a bigger diff, a bigger issue. And I think the companies are going to have to start training on that a little bit to understand what that responsibility is. How are they protecting their customer and client data? Mm-hmm. If you're a lawyer like me and I carry around a phone that has information, most of it's pretty benign, but it's still client information. I've got a duty to protect that. And so I may have to make that uncomfortable decision of look, you're not turning my phone on to, through a biometric thing unless you get a court order and then we'll deal with it at that point yeah. under the advice of counsel of what we should do.
0: Interesting. And, and I mean, worst case scenario on the evil side, you know, that's a positive side. On the evil side, you're texting while driving. You know, mm-hmm. police are checking, you know, uh, people's devices. Timelines now. and In, messages. Yeah. 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 Well, and even right there at this point of the accident, they're checking their phones and mm-hmm. seeing whether there's they were texting and everything. So, you know, even right there, you're, you know, you you could be enabling them to you know to discriminate, mm-hmm. to for you to discriminate. What? Not discriminate. What is it? What, you're you're encouraging that. Yeah. Self incrimination. Yeah, yeah. not
2: discrimination. Incrimination. We'll have to edit that uh, one. By
3: now, the way, I am the non-lawyer on these
2: discussions. today. <laughs> I, none of us are any close to being a lawyer Yeah,
3: 100%. <laughs> yeah we're not going there. So like, you you probably made the wiser decision overall. So like, there you go. Off the Circle
1: is brought to you by MyITND. If you're a small to medium-sized business and need assistance with networking, security, and other IT services, contact Ryan at info at Off the Circle is brought to you by DK New Media. DK New Media is a marketing consultancy working with some of the world's largest brands on their digital marketing and media strategies. Contact Doug at dknewmedia.com dot com.
0: Well, he, he, the, what's funny is I am the libertarian in this gang. I don't know if you are you, Marty. Are you? Uh, so I'm pretty conservative, not not libertarian, but conservative. And and I was I was actually pulled over in a DUI stop a few years ago, and I refused. You know, I was polite, but I basically refused. You know, and they were getting angry. They were really getting upset with me and I just stayed calm and said, you know, and, and my, my thing was I was literally driving home at 11 o'clock at night. I had just worked all day. I was tired. I just wanted to go home and, and in a free country between my bed and my work, somebody is stopping me and asking me questions and it and it just really irritated me and so you know i was polite and polite and polite but they had eventually advanced it and i had the sergeant then being polite but firm to me and i refused her as well you know and eventually they let me go on my way but but it was a uh, it was still tense i was shaking and i was nervous and i didn't know what was happening and and of course other policemen were pointing their flashlights in the back of my car to see if they could see anything. And it was, it was pretty frightening, yeah. you know, yeah. and I was just trying to be a good citizen. They were just trying to be good policemen, you know? So, and that's, you know, so we've got a lot of room to cover, you know, I think on the, on these new technologies. yeah,
3: it, It's worth looking up. Uh, one of my professors in law school has a YouTube video out that's called don't talk to the police. And it's. Is that, it's, is that from uh, UVA or? Uh, Regent University. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So it's take take incredible. a look at that. He, he talks faster than anybody I've ever met. Yeah. One of the brightest guys I've ever met. Uh, but just an overview of your rights. It's entertaining. It's fun to watch and throw up on your it, Apple is that, TV. Is that the
0: one also? I think he also had a policeman that was.
3: Yeah. 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 So Point, counterpoint, so counterpoint. And
0: it, Well, and the policeman was actually positive about it, too. That's right. The policeman was actually saying, you know, here's a. Here's what you should do to defend yeah. yourself. And I was surprised, you know, that you had a law enforcement officer, a retired law enforcement officer, saying, "Don't, you know." And I always tell people that look, we put too much on our police, anyways. You know that we we expect them to be psychologists and mm-hmm. judges and now technologists and everything else. And the fact is, no, that's the job of your attorney and the judge, right? You know, it, wait for court for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Don't expect a policeman to
3: figure all that out so they they got a lot going on and i think for the most part do a good job especially absolutely but you you need to know you need to be informed you need to know what you can and can't do and what you should and shouldn't do and i think your example of sort of texting while driving right before an accident in most cases those folks don't have some sort of passcode lock enabled at all Mm -hmm. and so it's free reign Right. So at the very minimum, you need to be encrypting these devices and put a passcode on it of some kind, and then just make an informed choice as to which which you do with that. And like I said, the business side of this will will shake out over time, but there's there's going to be some pretty interesting conversations on that as you increase that difficulty or decrease the difficulty of getting access yeah, to the a lot of Dawn gray documents. Areas
2: it seems you know before it was your just simply your password, and now it's you know your fingerprint and/or your face. Are those protected? From, you know, from giving it out, do you think that the law needs to be updated to reflect those changes, or does it need to be a harder line in the sand drawn?
3: Well, I think one of the points um, that I think is interesting is whether or not the act of putting either the phone up to your face for a facial ID or putting your finger on for a thumbprint scan, is that an act of communication with your device? Mm-hmm. And if it is, you might be able to claim that that would be an act of incrimination and therefore you have a right to refuse to do that. And so it will be interesting to see how the law kind of shakes out on what that is because the the distinction right now, as I understand it, is it's sort of the what you are versus what you know. So your biometric is who you are, and what you know is your passcode. And you Mm -hmm. can't be forced to give up what you know, but who you are, everybody kind of has a right to know what that is. And other folks are arguing on the flip side of, well, no, I'm actually communicating with what I know Mm -hmm to make that affirmative step to unlock that device. And so you can't force me to do that. That'd be like forcing me to talk to you and say, hey, you need to confess to whatever happened. So it'll be an interesting debate, and I'm sure we'll see a Supreme Court case on it pretty quick.
0: I suppose it's like you know, having your front door unlocked. The police still can't just walk through yeah. Right, you can unlock the door, but that doesn't mean that they have the right to come in.
2: Well, there's uh, actually someone suing the federal government now for uh, searching their electronic <laughs> devices and trying to get into the United States, and they're like, "Yeah, this is totally unconstitutional." Yeah, they've been doing that for years. Well, they, yeah, there's a lawsuit. <laughs> they got everything. But they, they just filed it as like within the last week or so they like got a
0: data center in Utah
2: that that's all it is. Well, I mean, yeah, but there's a difference between someone you know actively just scanning your data on the Internet and you know trying to find out more about you than actually taking your phone and holding you until you open it. Yeah. For no other reason other than the fact that you can't. Right. And that's what they're talking about now is whether or not they, – So they're either like, okay, we're not a United States citizen and you literally can't – you have no rights to right. get into my stuff or I am and you have to treat me – as a United States citizen with those associated rights, and there's not this. Oh, you're not in the United States. We have free reign on this ten, you know, this ten feet of land going into the country. It's a, it's
0: a fascinating. I, I was, you know, we. I think we could talk another half hour.
2: On oh that yeah, thing, but
0: but it was pretty fascinating. I I'm, I love the Constitution, and mm-hmm. you know, and but I read a fascinating. Uh, it was a it was a university professor talking about the Constitution that in nowhere does it say that these rights are only available to United States citizens. Mm. That that they're God-given rights. And so... There's a huge argument there as far as oh, whether yeah. someone outside <laughs> the country actually has the same rights as someone, yeah. you know, within the country. Yeah. And, oh, and I never thought about that before. And of course, it came up, I think, with terrorism and Guantanamo Bay and everything yeah. else. But it's it's a pretty fascinating and it's a valid argument. It's an interesting argument mm-hmm. to have, yeah. you know, whether whether we do have different ones or not.
2: Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've talked this one through. Yep. What do you think? Absolutely. I think we hit on some great points here. Thank you Seth, for coming in My and pleasure. sharing your time with us. Yeah.
3: Anytime. Thank you guys. I think
0: I think uh you know, takeaways, I mean, I I am going to I am going to seek out like cybersecurity insurance and see what what mm-hmm. they say on on this. I love your tip, you know, five clicks and and here <laughs> you have to it's write a it pass. Yeah. It's locked anyways, you know. Um, but it seems like companies really do need to prepare themselves for this as they're looking to secure more. We're, we're seeing a lot more companies get hacked, and it, it's almost always from the user, right? It's almost always through a, I need a to human. I
2: need to download this, atta- this zip file
3: and open it right now.
2: Yeah. Right now. I'm yeah. going to yeah. click until <laughs> my computer explodes. <laughs> every week we see that and
3: the the final thing is as you're talking about that cross border and travel be aware of what you're taking on your device when you go Mm -hmm. because when you run into those issues and you do want to get home and lay your head on your own pillow Sometimes you don't want to deal with the border agent saying "unlock your phone for me." Yeah. And yeah. so, if you have little to nothing on it and don't care, move on or yeah. have a travel that's phone what, uh, or something Google like that. Google
2: is telling employees not just don't even take a device with you. We'll give you a new one at your destination. Just you wow. get a computer and a phone, and you'll log in, and all your stuff will be there. Is don't even carry it around. With you. That's actually really good. I like, that's, a, that's a good idea. Like yeah. that. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks again for coming out. My we, pleasure. We appreciate the discussion.
2: Absolutely, it was a great talk today.
0: Do we know what's what's on next? uh no off <laughs> <laughs> uh, the top of my
2: head I have no idea
0: so uh this is uh, Douglas Carr from DK New Media we have Ryan Grimes from my IT Indy uh, tune in next week please subscribe to us uh, if you appreciated us putting this information out today we would love for you to review us on iTunes and Google Play and everywhere else and uh stay tuned for the next Off the Circle
1: If you're an Indianapolis business and would like to be on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. Off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art studio the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.